Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. This is our final week, of the, and the, today's message is called The Exemplary Heart. An Exemplary Heart. What do I mean by that? That David is just so exemplary that we need to do everything that David did and that we'll please God. No, that's not what I mean. If you look at the dictionary, exemplary means serving as an example or illustration. David is, a, is a, an amazing character for me because I can see that David had his highs and David had some significant lows. And I believe that that's not only is that an example of what it looks like to follow God from a child all the way through your, your uh, latter years, <clears throat> how that's going to happen. But it also shows me that the scriptures are not afraid to talk about their hero's faults. Think about that. <clears throat> if we were trying to deceive somebody and, and, and build a, a scripture that was you know, faultless, our heroes would be legendary in their ability to do the right. Well, the Bible doesn't shy away from the difficulties of its heroes. And that gives me hope. What did I say earlier? You can't do this on your own. And David is an exemplary example of what it looks like. So today's, the big story of today is this. David's story points to Jesus. And there's a couple dot, dot, dots, because we're going to finish that big, the, uh, big idea as we go through the message. David's story points to Jesus. Open your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 7. <clears throat> and I'm going to be I'm using a lot, a lot of scripture today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of it will be on the wall. Some of it will have to, you'll have to find. But just keep your ears, ears uh, perked up, because we're going to move pretty fast. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18, begin there. It says, the ki- uh, Then King David went in, sat in the Lord's presence, and said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? What you have done so far was a little thing to you, Lord God. For you have also spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. Think about that. You've talked about my house, David's house, in the distant future. And this is a revelation for mankind, Lord God. <clears throat> what more can David say to you? You know your servant, Lord God. Because your word, uh, because of your word and according to your will, you have revealed all these great things to your servant. This is why you are great, Lord God. There is no one like you, and there is no God beside you as well as all we have heard confirms. Now skip down to verse 29. Now please bless your servant's house so that it will continue before you forever. For you, Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing, your servant's house will be blessed forever. Forever. Now this has some significant implications. Whoever gave me this, you're my hero and the hero of everybody else in here. 
has some huge implications. Let's, I'm going to flip over to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, and this will be on the wall. Ready? You know, this is familiar. We, we read this around Christmas time. For a child will be born to, for, for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Who's going to be able to do this? Who can do this? Huh. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. David talked about how not only did he talk about David and his, his kingdom, but he, he foretold of the future. And then we have this prophecy of the one coming through the line of David. Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph from the house of David. From the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus or Yeshua. Which is, by the way, the Jewish word and name Joshua. So we've been calling him the wrong name all along. Joshua. Joshua means God saves. The Greek translation of Yeshua is Jesus. You will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, who? David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. So we're tying this person, David, to the one, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Christ. And David talks about this. And I think it's so vitally important because David looks forward to this character. He looks forward to the Messiah, his great, 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 great grandson. The lineage of Joseph and the lineage of Mary match with the same names from Abraham to David. Joseph and Mary were descendant, distant cousins. Now, if you look at Luke, the Gospel of Luke, you will see a lineage of Jesus. If you look at the Gospel of Matthew, you will also see a lineage of, of uh, Jesus. And Luke goes through the line of David, through the line of Abraham, all the way back to Adam. Whereas Matthew goes through the line of David, 
through the line and stops at Abraham. Now, the reason is interesting because the fact of the matter is, is Luke is written to a Gentile audience. A Gentile. So Abraham really doesn't mean much to them. But Adam, they can, okay, that's a common lineage. I get that. Whereas Matthew is written to a Jewish audience, and they could care less about Adam. Adam screwed everything up. Abraham's the one who starts the fix. Right? So they go back to Abraham. But the interesting thing is, is that both Mary and Joseph have a line of their descendants because they're, they're, they're um, distant cousins that go right back to the person of David. So uh, Jesus' adopted father is from the house of David, and his mother is from the house of David. Okay? David is exemplary because his story points to Jesus. Now listen to this. Everything that was good about David's life points to the goodness of God. I'll say that again. Everything that was good about David's life points to the goodness of God. Everything bad about David's life points to the need for Jesus. Think about that for a second. Can anybody else identify with that? Anything good about my life points to the goodness of God. Anything bad about my life points to the absolute need for a Savior. David is a man in hot pursuit of the heart of God. And Jesus is the human embodiment of the heart of God. So David literally is in hot pursuit of Jesus. Jesus is the human embodiment of the heart of God. He is the essence of God. John chapter 1 says he was with God in the beginning. Right? Right? He was the word of God. He was, when, the, when you say the word of God, he was the word made flesh and dwelt. You know what the word of God means in that passage? He is the very essence of everything, the creative aspects of the Godhead. Jesus is the, the embodiment of the heart of God. And David, his great-great-grandfather, is in hot pursuit of that heart, of that being of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 says this. He is this talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in the heavens, making peace by the blood of the cross. Where David failed, Jesus is victorious. Where David couldn't do it on his own, where he failed, where he he had flaws, Jesus conquered them all. He reconciled all things to himself by his death on the cross. Where David fell short, the Messiah, the true Messiah, right? Where David fell short of the true Messiah, because he's a Messiah figure in Old Testament, his progeny, Jesus, fulfilled all the messianic prophecies. Where Jesus, where, where David fell short, Jesus does not. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who is Passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but the one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Now, David, we talked about it. He had a virtuous heart. He had a noble heart, all these things. But he could never state that. 
He could never say that because he was tempted just like you. And he fell. Not all the time, but what does it take? One time. He was without sin, Christ. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace. See, this is where David couldn't go because he was sinful. But through Jesus Christ, we could say, let us approach the throne of grace with what? Boldness. Boldness. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I talked to you about this already this morning. What is going on in your life? What is your need? What is your mountain? There's so many ways to say it. What is going on? Jesus went to the cross so that he could help you in your time of need. So we could receive mercy and find grace. David's story, in its triumph and failures, always, always points to Jesus. And his triumphs and failures always points to Jesus. David's best contribution to the narrative, something we can learn from and emulate, was the example of a great man. David was a great man. And listen, men, we've been talking a lot about men, right? We've been talking a lot about men and their, and their position in this world right now, how, the, how it's under fire and how, uh, it, what it takes to become a good man in our society. I want you, men, young men, to be great. I want you to be great. I don't want you to be anything less than everything God has made you to be. Don't let the culture drag you down. Don't let him tell you that you're nothing. God's working on it. Don't worry about it. Just turn him off. It's all right. Don't let them, don't let them tell you that you are anything more or less than what God has made you to be. Listen, we don't need toxic men. We don't need that. God didn't make you for that anyway. But we do need strong men. We need men who could take their families on their shoulders and carry them for a little while. They can't do that forever. But we need men to be able to stand up and say, nope, not on my watch. Not on my watch. If that's toxic, then I don't know. I'm like radioactive. Because we need it. We need it. I'm going to say something to you ladies real quick, okay? Don't mimic the world's message to men. Don't fall into that hole. You got to let them be men. You got to let them be men. Because if you let them be men, they'll be perfect. No! They're going to mess up a lot. That's part of being a dude. <laughs> Where you have it together, we don't. Just, just, but what I'm saying is like, just don't, don't parrot back the message of the world. That's not what God has for men. Try to encourage them, strengthen them, affirm them. Um, I won't get into today, but we did, a, we did a whole a marriage retreat on the book Love and Respect. Women desire love, need love, unconditional. Men, they need respect. So you start chipping away at that respect, man. 
starts to really hurt. Enough soapbox, let's keep going. David's best contribution to the narrative was being a great man who was quick to his knees. How do we fight our battles? On our knees. Understanding his great need for the grace of God. Ephesians 2. And you were dead, and you, you, were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the way of this world, according to the rulers of the power of the air, the spirit now at work in the disobedient. Verse 4. But God, who was rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, ah, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through, the, through his kindness to us in who? Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not from your word. You can't do it. That's the passage right there. You can't do it. Not from your works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is what, this is what David was hoping for. This is the Messiah that, that David needed. He needed a God who could forgive his sins. We talked about it. He said when his son passed away, he goes, I will not, he will not come to me, but I will go to him. How? He couldn't do it on his own. He was looking forward to that Messiah figure that would do the job that he could not do. That he could not do. We're looking backward to the Messiah figure that will do what we cannot do. And because grace is not about how good you are, though God has, what does it say? God has prepared good works for you. They're not the, you know, the, the, the entry card to heaven. They're just the things that God has already put in you. Remember I said a few weeks ago, God wants to, call out of you what he's already put into you. So, our, our hope, our deliverance, our healing, the mountains moving in our lives are not ours to move. What we need to do is stop trying to push and pull them and get on our knees and surrender. David understood this. And he has this awesome psalm in chapter 18 of, of Psalms. And it's, it's praise for deliverance. And I'm going to read parts of it to you. Because this should be everybody's reaction to the amazing work that God does. I love you. Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock 
my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, where I seek refuge. My shield, and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise. And I was saved from my enemies. I was saved from the mountains that were about to fall on me. I was saved from this, that, and the other thing. It is his joy to save you when you look to him. Verse 18 says this. He reached down from on high. He reached, now this is all, I think this is all Jesus, right? He reached down from on high and took hold of me. This is written way before Jesus came. This is a prophetic word. And he pulled, out, pulled me out of deep water. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me. For they were too strong for me. A great man, a great man who says, I can't do this on my own. A great man who's quick to his knees. That's you. That's me. Ladies and gentlemen, let me me just say this for a second. Brothers and sisters, we have to stop striving. And we have to surrender. That doesn't mean you're not going to be a good man or do the right things or to have to put your family on your back every once in a while or or lift up your husband every once in a while. It doesn't mean you're not going to do those things. Those are the good works that God has prepared for you from days past. But you cannot move the mountains in your life on your own. And it's about time we stopped trying and started surrendering. Because it's a powerful enemy. And he hates you. And he's too strong for you on your own. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. Can anybody relate to that? But the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me. Why? Oh, I love this part. Is it on the wall? No, this one's not on the wall. So you just got to listen. You just got to listen to this one. Ready? Or read in your book. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I don't know what you're feeling today, but your God delights in you. He loves you. It's his joy to remove the mountains. It's his joy to rescue you from the, from the strong enemy. Ephesians 2. Again, I'm going to reiterate this, but I want to personalize it. And we are dead. And we are dead. in our trespasses and sins in which we previously walked according to the way of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. That's that great enemy of yours. The spirit now working in the disobedient. And I want to say right this. Maybe this is not past tense for you. Maybe this is present tense. And you're walking in that right now. You're walking according to this ruler. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, 
I, I'm dead right now in my trespasses and sins. I have not, I, I have not had that change. I have not had that mountain moved. And I need it moved. I can't do it. I've been trying. And, I, and that's why I'm here today. Because I feel like there's something that's going on and I need to have this mountain moved. And I haven't had it moved yet and I need that. I want to make this past tense. We were, I was dead in my trespasses. Well, we'll get to that. But God, and this is what you got to know. you got to know this today. No matter what the mountain is in your life. But God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love that he has for us. What did it say in Psalms? He rescued me because he delighted in me. He loves you so much. For God so loved the world. First God so loved you, fill in your name, that he gave his only begotten son. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. So here, let's finish up the the big idea. David's story points to Jesus. Dot, dot, dot. David's story points to Jesus. Does yours. That's the whole big idea. David's story points to Jesus. Does yours? This could be your story. Death to life. Sin stained to clean. Separated from God to a son or daughter of the king. Does your life point you and those around you to Jesus? Well, Pastor, I'll, I'll, I'll come to Christ when I get all this cleaned up. You know, I, I'm too unworthy. I'm too unworthy for this God. So I'll, I'll work on it. I'll get my life cleaned up, and then I'll come. If that is your story, you will never come. Because I'm telling you, you can't. And he's like, I don't even want you to. I just want you to come. I just want you, I, I want to save you, I want to help you. This is my delight. I delight in you. So today, if this is not your story, and you say, and I, does, this, does your life point or you or those around you to Jesus? And you say, no, Pastor, it doesn't. How, what must I do? What, what I got to do to, I want that. I want that desperately. What do I got to do? Well, you're in good company. That's exactly what they asked Peter on the day of Pentecost. So what, 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 what must we do? And this is what he said. Acts chapter 2. Peter replied to them, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you, he's talking to the people in the first century, and for your children, and for all who are far off. That's you today. That's you. We're a little bit far off from the first century, yes, but the promise is still. <laughs> How do you always do that with the song? My gosh, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness for you who are far off. As many as the Lord 
our God will call. And if you're here today and you're hearing my voice, he's calling to you. This new life marked by the grace and love of God through Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of David, can be your life today. Romans 10, 9 says, that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Period. I like to put the periods in there because you know what? It's just the end. You can't add to that. You can't take away from it. It is what it is. Like David, we must be quick to our knees with a repentant heart. Confess our sins. Believe in him as a Lord and call on him to save us and give us a new life. And we will be saved. Thanks for listening. To learn more about New Life Church, check out our website at discovernewlife.org.